0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's Word for you. (laughs) You can be seated. Good morning, everybody. God bless Texas. Yeah. Yeah, that's more like it, man. I say it every year, I'm an Okie. When I say God bless Texas. I mean it. God bless you. Uh, My dad had 12 brothers and sisters. uh, Grew up in East Tennessee. Uh, My grandmother uh, never went to school. Got married when she was 15. Dropped her first baby before she turned 16. And dropped them like rainwater coming out of heaven. Uh, Because back then you had a lot of kids to put them to work. People would ask our family, said, are y'all Catholic? And I said, nope. Are you Mormon? I said, nope. What are you? I said, we're black, backslidden Baptist. <laughs> Why do you have such a big family? We put them to work. Because everybody grew up on a farm, so you gotta put them to work. So we didn't have children, because like children had to put them to work. But anyhow, when they grew up, they began to move and uh, they all moved to Texas. Because they had the family reunion every year and we'd, we'd ask, I remember when you are asked, the, how come y'all moved to Texas? and they said my uncle said well David crockett went to texas it's good enough for David crockett it's good enough for us and so all the mcgees came to texas god bless texas um matthew chapter 22 i'm gonna jump right in now i'm gonna i'm gonna talk fast i'm not in a hurry but i grew up in a family full of mostly women and so if you want to say it you got to say it quick because they don't take turns when they talk so uh so anyhow uh this this is real good this morning um this is coming out of our, we've got a new book called Man Loverly to Provider. It's out on the, I think we're out of them. They're not on the table, but you can order them online. But this is a great book, just came out. Uh, they're asking Jesus, uh, they're trekking the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they didn't like Jesus because Jesus is drawing big crowds. And their crowds are dwindling and his crowds are going up. Oh, man, who is this guy? And so they're trying to make him look stupid. And they already tried once, it didn't go good. And Sadducees got embarrassed and had to walk off. So the Pharisees are left and they thought, well, let's see if we can hit him with this question. So, they're trying to trick him up. They said, well, Master, what's the, greatest, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? And, of course, the Bible's full of them. So, what's the greatest commandment in the Word of God? He said, well, that's simple. It is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the uh, second commandment's just as about as impor- powerful. He said, love your neighbor like you love yourself. He said, the entire law, all 17 books of the law are tied up in these two commandments. And, of course, it stunned him. They didn't know what to say. And so... God simplifies things. God is not complicated. Um, God writes simple. Uh, the Bible was written for simple-minded people. Now, I've been in church ever since I was born, and I've been through every kind of phase and fashion you can imagine. I remember for a while, it was real good, and the people would come out, and they would begin to teach in Greek and Hebrew. And I had a great minister I followed for years, and he'd open up everything with the Greek or the Hebrew. And, and then at some point, he would say, well, now, that's not really what it says. What it really says in the Greek is this. And I thought after about a few weeks, well, I'm stupid. I just want to bring my Bible. All that you tell me what it says. evidently. I don't know what my Bible says. My Bible is messed up. You've got the real Bible evidently. And, uh, and that's what happened to a lot of people. And the gospel is written for a lot of ignorant, uneducated people. It said in Acts when the apostles starting to do the ministry, gone all over the country. And uh, they, one group says, man, these ignorant and unlearned people have been with Jesus. What do you know about them? They're an ignorant, unlearned bunch. But they've been with Jesus. They're not normal. They're not normal. Their eyeballs are popping in. hands are growing out. And they're walking on water and 5,000 half mils on the hillside. They're not normal. They've been with Jesus. And that's what God wanted when he started the church. He said, Jesus said, I'm going to build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. What are you going to do? I'm going to build a church. What are you looking for? Hell. What? I'm sorry. I missed that. Yeah, i want to build a church and we're looking for Hell. Jesus said, we're going to storm the gates of hell. What? Yeah, we're going to storm the gates of hell. And most people got saved. Well, what do you do? Well, I'm saved. I'm in church now and I'm out with God. And so I got a big family and uh, they're mostly coming in. But uh, every one of them, when they got born again, spirit filled, with, Within a few months, they'd call or you'd run into them. Men and so what happened? Ever since I got saved, hell's just landed on me. You know, I kinds of hell in my life. I so said, welcome to the family. Praise God. Because when you're going to hell, the devil wasn't bothering you. He's got you by the throat. He'll let you do whatever you want to do. But the minute you join the family, look out, big boy. got to get your armor on. Feast of six, you know, heaven of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. It's a war. And it's not eight hours a day. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You get to whip some hell. And so we're in a hell whipping mode. I used to teach the high school kids for years. And I love teaching about Jesus. I try to imagine CNN being around, but. CNN shows up one day and says, Jesus, what do you have planned today? And he said, well, I have a busy day planned today. He only had three and a half years of ministry. He said, I have a busy day <laughs> this morning. I'm going to put some eyeballs on the blind man's head. They're going to get excited about that. They're going to get so excited. They're going to drag him down to the Roman centurion and they're going to grill him today. And they're going to ask him, do you believe this guy's a son of God? And he's going to say, I don't know. I know that once I was blind and now I see, that's all I know. He didn't become an evangelist. He just got his eyeballs back. She said, then at noon, I'm going into town and I'm going to raise a dead kid at a funeral. It's going to mess everybody up. <laughs> then later this evening, I'm going to go here on the hillside and I'm going to create 5,000 Happy Meals. They're going to write about that one. <laughs> I'm in a hell-whipping mode. So she said, I'm going to build a church. And I tell people, when you get born again, spirit-filled, welcome to the body of Christ. Get your armor on. What are you going to, get to do? You're going to get to whip hell the rest of your life. We're in a hell-whipping mode. Every day you get up, you got to make the devil break out into a cold sweat. Oh, dear Lord, they're up. Yes, we are, big boy. Looking for you. <laughs> I'm in a hell-whipping mode. <laughs> so if you're not in a hell-whipping mode, you're in a hell-avoiding mode. Now, I've got a big family. They call me. I'm the only preacher in my family that happens to be Pentecostal and messing with all of them. I do all the weddings and funerals for free. Joe, so you marry us? Sure, I will. I'm going to marry and lay hands on you. I'll speak something over you. I'll shondai Hickey you. <laughs> little who stole my a Honda, too. So I'm and bury everybody, so I'm am free, and so I've done the family funerals, and uh, uh, and they're sad, you know, everybody's crying, and, uh, you know, nobody in heaven's crying, it's just it's just the ones get left behind crying. and so uh, and so I'm up by the casket, it was an open casket funeral, I'm through, we getting ready to go out of the graveside, and I'm gonna do the graveside service, so. These are family. They're coming up. And Brother Joe, appreciate you coming. Because they're down in the middle of the death of Texas. I had a relative die. So I'm saying, appreciate you coming, appreciate you coming. And then we're following by the dead body. And so I had an uncle come up and he grabbed my hand. And say, Brother Joe, appreciate you coming. And said, you know, I guess God needed them in heaven. Because he died early. He said, I guess God needed him in heaven. So I squeezed his hand up and said, no, God didn't need him in heaven. He wasn't any good anybody down here. <laughs> he didn't make it to the graveside service. He hasn't talked to me since. I hate it when Christians lie. Christians shouldn't lie. You know, liars go to hell. It's in Revelation. The truth sets you free. You need to tell the truth. Smile when you say it. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta tell the truth. I don't know where I'm going with that. I better back off of that. Anyhow. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you these scriptures. I, I, I this. this is in Acts chapter uh, 4, verse 13. So when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived themselves that these ignorant and learned men had been with Jesus. What do you know? They've been hanging out with Jesus. Next scripture, Matthew twenty, verse twenty. This is uh, James and John. They're two of the apostles, and for whatever reason, their mother was with them a lot. So you got the twelve apostles following Jesus. But there's this lady. Who's that? Well, that's our mom. And so she went everywhere. And so they're traveling, and it's getting toward the end of Jesus' ministry. All of a sudden, one day. Jesus teaching, and finally, their mom came and fell down on her knees in front of Jesus, very respectfully, and she asked her, may I ask a favor of you, Jesus? And he said, sure. What is it? She said, well, when you come into your kingdom, will you let my son sit on either side of it, one on your left and one on your right? And she said, well, I don't have any say so about that. My father will decide who sits next to me. But I appreciate you asking. It was an appreciate her boldness. Well, the Bible says the other 10 apostles got furious. You arrogant cuss. Who made you somebody? You know, what well, makes you supposed to go ahead. You gotta have your mommy ask where you can sit. Well, at least my mommy's here. Where's your mama at? My mama loved me. <laughs> and so Jesus went on to a little teaching up there. He said, listen, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you've got to become the servant of everybody. It's an upside-down pyramid. To be great in my kingdom, you've got to learn how to serve people. It's not arrogance, it's not pride, but on this planet, as soon as you I remember I'm first grade. I went to, we didn't have kindergarten, haven't invented yet. I'm in the first grade first grade, I'm wearing a girl's blouse because all my cousins were girls. So I wear a white blouse that buttoned backwards with pink owls on it. In the first grade, we didn't have desks. We have eight-foot tables. We didn't have screens on the windows, just big windows that raised up. We didn't start school till after Labor Day. It was, life was good back then. So at an eight-foot table, we had milk break. We got milk break every day. So it's milk break and three cents, you get your carton of cold milk and where you can't talk during milk. So me and my buddy, Gary Hutt and Mike Blake, sitting across and we're sucking on our milk. And we had a mother that volunteered. She's a homemade mother all the way through the fifth grade because her boy was in the class. And so we're sitting there and I bird haircuts. Nobody's got hair. Bird haircuts line the fifth grade. Mm, you don't have to comb your hair. You don't have any hair. And so, so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden that mother bent over her son. And I like him, no, I'm kidding. Bent over her son and she kissed him on the top of his head and she said, you're the most handsome boy in this class. Me and Mike Blake looked at each other and we went, oh, She lied. Because <laughs> he's ugly. <laughs> now, we didn't have TV. We haven't been written by the media or, or, or computers. We're just normal people. We're just him. Well, he's ugly. He couldn't help it. He came out that way. Now, he was well groomed. His mama starts his shirts every day and man, everything's in place. But he was ugly. And I thought, Holy Lord, I don't know, mother's lied. That was a lie. And so when I went through school now, uh, he went through high school graduated with me. And so I played football and baseball. So we got on the baseball, uh, football field early. We're out there in the fall. We're out there on the field. And me and my buddies, we get there early. And so he hadn't come out yet. And we'd sit there and we'd talk about him. I said, what is it with this kid? He's uglier than a mud fence. But he has a date every Friday night because he's just bold as snot. You know, I remember asking a girl out on a date the first time, hey, I don't know if you do anything Friday night. I mean, you probably are, but uh, I mean, if you're not, maybe you'd like to go out. I don't know. If maybe i can borrow my daddy's car. I don't know if I can, but I probably can ask. And if you'd like to go out, maybe we go down and get a hot dog or something. If you got some money, I might take it. You'd like to go? Well, nobody wants to go out with a doofus. I couldn't buy a date. And so he's got a date Friday, and we thought, what is it with him? Do the women feel sorry for him? Is it an ugly thing? Is it a female thing? Like, well, bless his ugly heart. We need to take him out on a date. No, it's because he was bold because he believed he was handsome. Hey, we've got Friday night, 8 o'clock, pick up. Yes. And so, he married one of the most beautiful girls in my high school. And uh, I'm going to my 50th, it's my 50th high school reunion this year. And we start having them every year because everybody started dying off. It used to be every five years. But we're, doing, we're doing them every year now trying to grab you before you go, boy. Take a lot of pictures. I don't. And so, but he married one of the most beautiful girls. And they had three beautiful kids. Thank goodness they took after their mother. Thank you, Jesus because that guy is still uglier than a mud fence. (laughs) But he thinks he's handsome. The reason he thinks he's handsome, his mother told him every day that he was handsome. Because you believe what you hear the most of. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. Call those things that be not as though they are. We're a different group of people. We're not, we're on an alien planet. This world's not our home. You know, Adam sinned and, and Satan became the illegal God of this world. Second Corinthians four, four, John 10, 10, he kills, steals and destroys. He's tearing everything up. And so I do all the weddings. And so I have people who call me, well, Joe, why did God let this happen? Say, God didn't let this happen. Yes. God's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's everywhere all the time. No, God did not let this happen. God is not allowed on planet earth. Read your Bible. God gave this planet to Adam. Adam gave it to the devil. Satan is the legal god of this planet. That's why hospitals are full and prisons are full and norfolk are full. God's not doing anything. He's in heaven. There's a laser light show going on. People are singing to him. It's really nice. He's not down here. Jesus taught over and over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said, you have not because you ask not. You need to ask that your joy might be made full. God will answer your prayer, but God is not allowed on this planet to a human ask him to come down here. You have to pray. Prayer's not a religious thing. It's a legal thing. That's why Paul said, pray all the time. Pray in the morning. When you lie down, when you sit up, pray. Get her going. Shonday Hickam, let her rip, man. Pray all the time. That's when we're baptized with the Holy Ghost. We can pray in tongues. I don't know what I'm praying, but I'm praying the absolute perfect will of God. So I let her rip all the time. I mean, people are in my office like, what's he doing? He's just talking. Now, my wife went to heaven three years ago. And unexpectedly. It was real quick and sudden, had a brain tumor. And uh, for six weeks, I cried. I just cried. I couldn't stop crying. I just said, somebody shoot me, I'm going to go to heaven. I just, I'm through, I'm done. I don't know what to do. Uh, I married a girl. We were falling in love. We were very young. We were virgins when we got married. I never kissed another woman except my wife. Dropped six babies out of that thing. We were just hugging and kissing and dropping babies. <laughs> and uh, if we would started early, I'd probably had 12, which thank God we waited five years before we started. And she went to heaven. So, uh, so anyhow, uh, about six weeks into it, I, can, I hear God talk. But he, he, God has the funniest voice. I heard God talking to me like, son, you need to shut up and get up and get busy. Like, you, can't, you can't cry forever. You know, in the Bible, when somebody died, they gave you 30 days to mourn. Day 31, you had to get up. Hey, get up. We got stuff to do. And some people make a, they make a memorial out of dead people. They're, they're dead. You know, it's, They're dead it's real quiet in here. I'm in Texas. <laughs> you don't make a moral out of dead people. Hopefully the dead person went to heaven and they're not thinking about you. Yeah, There's a laser light show and everybody's happy and it's eternity. And <laughs> There's no time in heaven. How long have you been here? I don't know about 48 years. How long have you been here? About 700. They have no concept of time in heaven. It's eternity. It doesn't get dark in heaven. You can eat and never gain an ounce. The marriage supper is going to last seven years. Man, we got to hog on down. You don't have a bathroom. You don't have a bowel movement. This just gets heaven. <laughs> and so, people have gone on. Oh, they're not thinking about us. It's the ones left behind. They're doing all the thinking, you know. It's like, so I, read, I need to get up and get busy. So, people were calling, texting. Joe, we're so sorry. We heard about your wife. And I got tired of answering. I got tired of telling. I'm tired. of Yeah, she died. We buried her. Praise God. What, what do you want me to say? Joe, we're so sorry. Me too. Joe, we're so sad. Me too. Joey feel so bad. Me too. I'm running out of stuff to say. And so I didn't want to go anywhere. So I stayed in my house. Uh, and, and my kids moved me into a doggone gated community. Just the dumbest thing I ever did in my life. I had a house that I built on a mountainside. I've been there for 36 years. I built the house myself. It's two-story. Got a porch all the way around it like a Cracker Barrel does. And I love that old barn house. That's my house. Right, all my kids there. Well my kids thought, no dad doesn't be here with any bad memory. So we get them in a gated community in town where I'm spending enough money where I could have bought four Mercedes, you know. I'm just I'm flushing money down a toilet like some Santa Claus is stuck upside down in a chimney. <laughs> but they didn't worry about it, it's not their money, it's my money. Uh, so so anyhow, uh, several people, that, so Angel, uh, this lady texted me one time, Joe, I'm so sorry I heard about Denise, and we'd worked together on staff 26 years ago, her husband and I, and my wife and I, and we knew each other, and then we all got laid off the same day, and we got an office together for a year and a half, and then they got a great church, about 3,000 people, and I spoke every year, so we knew each other. So she's one of the texts, Joe, I'm so sorry to hear about Denise, yeah, I know. Do you mind if I text you once a month? I know how it is when people die. Everybody shows up when they die, but nobody shows up after that. I said, sure, it'll be fine. Once a month, for eighth months I get a text. Now, I don't text well, I have fat thumbs. I don't like texting. How are you? I am good. <laughs> yeah, how are they good? They are good, too. And uh, I, I learned how to breathe in. And so, nine months later, I get a phone call late at night, and I hear this voice. And it's, it's Angel. She's on the phone. I said, hey, i heard that voice in about 12 years. How are you doing? How are you doing? Well, I'm in my gated community house, and, and two of my kids are living with me. You know, in fact, they come back and take care of their decrepit old father and uh and so and so uh, i'm ta- we talk. we talked for an hour and half. lab had a good time i come out of my bedroom which has an office i have the whole end of the house is mine i go to the kitchen get some water my kid said dad who are you talking to oh, i'm talking to angel a who no it's a what her name's angel <laughs> we well, sure laugh a lot yes yeah, she's a funny southern woman hey, you sure laugh a lot yes yeah, she's a funny southern woman we well, sure are laughing a lot yes yeah, she's funny did i mention she was funny and uh, so anyhow, two nights later, all my kids, I come home from my office. All my kids were sitting at my kitchen table. They're adults. They're all adults. They're at my kitchen table. I said, hey, what are we doing here? Yeah, we need to talk. I said, what about? About Angel. What about Angel? We well, don't think it's right. You don't think what's right? That you're talking to somebody of the opposite sex. Well, the last time I checked, half the planet's female. There's a pretty good percentage. I'm going to run into one eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to her. I like talking to her. She's very funny. She lives five states away. I mean, we joke with each other. we will never get remarried. You know, we went through a horrible divorce. She's been single for 12 years and, you know, raising her kids and getting to school. And so, uh, I, I don't care about getting her remarried. I, I went to it one time, 45 years. That was enough. So, we would talk on the phone. We would joke about it. And so, so anyhow, uh, the kids said, we don't think. So, I said, okay, well, I'll just tell her. I'll call her once a week. And we'll talk on a Saturday night. Well, yeah, it'll be better, Dad. So I did. I called and said, hey, you mind if I call you once a week? Kids were upset, and I don't know why. This is a new world for me. I'm figure of what it is. So. so I called every Friday night for a month. So finally, I invited the kids over for dinner a month later, fed them a really good meal. And after meal, I said, the guys I have an announcement to make, I'm going to call Angel every night. I like talking to her. She's a funny Southern woman. She's been through the same kind of hell I've been through. We like talking to one another. So if you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you. And my kids said, well, Dad, if you're going to do that, we're going to have to move out. Praise God. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to teach you something. And two days later, they moved down. I said, dear God, I'm a greyhound. You're gone. I walk around in my underwear, pass gas. I control the TV remote. <laughs> I'm king of my house, boys. I'm back, you know. And so, uh, so, anyhow, I'm doing a seminar down in Naples, Florida that November. And uh, i not talking every night. Hey, I, I work with a group that ha- I work with adult people who... We do hand, uh, plays for handicapped kids, mainly retarded people. And uh, they do it in five different states, and she's on the board with them. So we're doing one in Naples. I said, Well, I'm going to be in Naples. So, Well, maybe I'll come by. I said, Well, come on by. So I'm sitting in an auditorium. I'm the guest speaker that night. My former pastor is one of the speakers. There's four of us speaking. Great church. I go there every year. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I see Angel I'm not sitting her until ever. She walks in. It's a big auditorium like this. I said, Well, then she waved. I waved. When I did, the pastor's wife saw me wave. Now, she's like my sister. She's known me for 25 years. She makes a beeline for me. Who are you waving at? A pretty blonde headed lady over there. Well, who is that? Her name's Angel. Well, who is she? Well, I haven't seen her 12 years. I've worked on staff together. Well, she makes a beeline frame and I get up to speak. I get up and, clap, and I'm speaking and the pastor wife is Angel. They're face to face. She's grilling. Her heads are bobbing and questions are flying. I thought, like, oh dear Lord, what have I done? And so, Angel got invited to stay. The pastors and their spouses stay for dinner every night. Well, I don't have a spouse. My spouse went to heaven. Angel sat next to me. You know, and of course, my former pastor knew her and we were real acquainted with the minister they had and so for three nights in a row we ate dinner together and so uh, we're going back to the airport and uh, we get to the airport and I, and I don't remember exactly how it went but the angel said well how about a hug for an old friend and I thought I had I never thought before God I had no thoughts about angel whatsoever just an old friend so well, how about a hug for an old friend I'm going to hug her and get her on the plane and I thought why don't I just kiss you what's the worst that can happen you'll slap me. (laughs) And I'll know this isn't going anywhere. And so I leaned for a hug, but I didn't. I went straight for the lips and it was just the sorriest sissy kiss you could ever imagine. We just just pecked, But when our lips touched, I knew I want to do that again. I want to do that a lot. So long story short, five months later, we got married. So, Angel, would you stand up and wave with everybody? This is the love of my life. <laughs> uh, we are newlyweds. We're still in love. And we don't know the difference. And I tell people all the time, and I've taught it in my seminars, but you just don't realize it. You marry your opposite. You marry a 180-degree different person. Brother so Joe, we're in love. No, you're blind as a bat and dumb as dirt. You don't know anything. You're going to marry your opposite. There's no saying in Texas, there's a bumper sticker down here, when two people are just like, one of you's not needed. You have to let that sink. We're in love. No, you're not. You're opposites. God puts opposites together. God looked at down. You go back to Genesis, God's looking at everything he made. First, first six days of creation. And he's saying, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I'm saying, that's not good. The first time God said not good, he was looking at a man. He said, not good. And said, "What's not good. You, not good. You're alone. We need to fix that. So Adam laid down, took a nap, and woke up missing a rib. But in front of him was the centerfold of life. They were, whoa. And God said, I thought you might like that. And they went off to fellowship that day. Yeah, they didn't milk any cows or feed any camels. They went to fellowship. And I'm sure it went something like this. Hey. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? What's that? I don't know. What's that? <laughs> and they figured it out. By the time of Noah's flood, most historians said there were 8 billion people on the planet. They figured it out. They didn't need a book or a chart or a graph. They figured it out. We've complicated so many simple things that God's made. It's just unreal. Now, when I was a school administrator years ago, I love that job. Um, he said, where'd you learn the Bible? I said, well, I learned the Bible teaching chapel 175 days a year in a Christian school. The first year, and I been to Bible school, you know, I went to a for two years, went to Old Roberts University for three summers and got a master's. And I learned the Bible, but that's not where I learned the Bible. I learned the Bible teaching chapel because first year I'm teaching chapel, I said, I'm about four months in, I'm running out of sermons. And I've been to Bible school and I'm running out of stuff to say. I've already been from Genesis to Revelation twice. I'm running out of stuff to say. And so, I'm starting to pull some crazy stories. And so, I went to the bookstore. I said, you got any Bible story books? And they said, yes, I got one here. It's a real good one. Agermeyer's Children's Bible Storybook. So really, I'll take it. Big, thick, hard, it's still in print. It is the greatest Bible storybook that has ever been written, and it's still in print. Warner Press. And so, people said, where'd you learn the Bible? I taught chapel. 175 days a year for 10 years in a row. And I taught every one of them out of Eggermeyer's Children's Bible Storybook. She took every major story in the Bible. She wrote a one-page modern English version of that story. So when I went to chapel, I cut chapel from 15 minutes to 30. And I told the kids, do not bring your Bible. Don't ever bring your Bible to chapel. I forbid it. If you bring it, leave it outside. You come in here, you just listen to me. You're not going to read your Bible. Because I'd have them turn to scriptures and they just, they're not listening anymore. Okay, turn to Genesis chapter four. What page is that on? What page is that on? So, one day, I told them, I said, turn to hour, chapter 4, verse 3. And I just started talking. And they're just trying to figure out what page to turn. Well, the next day, I had a senior come in and say, Mr. McGee, there's no Hefaniah. Yeah, son, and that's just how dumb you are. <laughs> I'm not ever going to tell you again. You're going to learn to read your own Bible. There's just 66 books. Memorize them. Learn the Bible. <laughs> and so, I taught chapel very different. And so, I learned great stories from, from Ruth Eggemeier, like uh the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant one day. Uh, God had warned Eli. He's got two sons. You've got to make your boys stop sinning. You're the priest. You, your boys are sinning something horrible. You've got to make them stop. Well, the Bible says he was told to restrain them, but the Bible says he talked to them. God say talk to them. He said, restrain them. Make them stop that. But they didn't. So, all of a sudden, Samuel's living in the house as a little five-year-old boy because. You know, he's been promised to God. So, Samuel's hearing all this stuff. So, Samuel saw this thing. He said, okay, if you don't stop, I'm gonna, every male in your family was going to drop dead, and I'm going to have the enemy steal the Ark of the Covenant. So, one day, the Philistines invaded the town. Eli's sons die. He falls off his neck. He dies. They still the Ark of the Covenant. They take the Ark of the Covenant back to their camp. Now, there's five brothers, five Philistine brothers. They all have their own camp. They're all kings with their own bunch. They take the Ark back and put it in a tent. And so, these are, what's the tent? Well, this is all the gods they stole from all the kingdoms that they conquered. Wooden gods and metal gods and marble gods. And then you got the Ark of the Covenant. Well, they said the first night they stuck the Ark of the Covenant, when they went in the next morning, all the gods had fallen on their face. All the statues fell over. It's in the Bible. I'm not making it up. They had to stand them up. Well, the second day they went in, they'd fall on their face again. Like, whoa. And the third day, well, they fell on their face again. Man, we just might as well leave them on the ground. What is it? Well, later that evening, uh, the Bible says that, they, that the Lord smote them with emrods. I thought, emeralds, what? And so you start reading and thought, well, what is it? Well, they have emeralds. What happened? Well, they couldn't ride their horse. They have emeralds. They can't ride their horse. And they had chariots and they can't ride their chariot. And they don't want to eat food because they don't want to process anything through their intestines. They don't want nothing to move. So they're dying of starvation. They're dying of dehydration. They're dying. They think, man, we need to give this thing away. And so the guy called his brother. Hey, we got, a, we got this gold thing down here. We won't give it to you. Bless you with it. So he gave the Ark of the Covenant away. Well, same thing happened to that bunch down there. God smoked them with emeralds. And the all five brothers got emeralds. And he had to read, what's an emerald? It's a hemorrhoid. <laughs> I think God has a book in heaven. See, what are we going to do this time? We've not used hemorrhoids in a while. Let's use hemorrhoids. Smite them with hemorrhoids. <laughs> so hemorrhoids are the devil. There's a curse on that thing. You've been redeemed the curse law. Hemorrhoids shouldn't be in you. Lay hands on something. Grease something. Get somebody to anoint you. <laughs> So anyhow, so they realized, man, we've made this guy. Man, We need to send him back. Because man, they're all dying. And so well, we send him back. So they built a cart, a brand new cart, nothing's been on this cart. And they get two oxen, never pulled a cart. We have two birds and oxen, brand new cart. And so well, we need to send a gift back with this guy. We've made a mad. G- what is he like? And somebody said, I'm not making it. A- well, he seems to be partial to hemorrhoids. Let's make five gold hemorrhoids. Now they have a goldsmith. Hey, Frank. We need to make five gold hemorrhoids. What? Hemorrhoids. You don't think everybody's got? No, there's no medical book to look it up. You just have to bend somebody over and take a look see. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just telling you what happened. So they made five, he made five gold hemorrhoids and put it in the ark of the, you know, the ark of the covenant, five gold hemorrhoids. And after they put them out there, we got to put something else in there. And so what else? Well, let's make five gold mice for this God has made mice out of men. It's where the saying comes from. It's in your Bible. So they put five gold mice and five gold hemorrhoids in the Arkham Covenant and they sent it home. And then they recovered. I don't know why I told the story. I love that story. <laughs> now, what I did for ten years, I went from Genesis to Revelation ten times, and I learned three things. God's good, devil's bad, people are stupid. <laughs> And you got to get away from the stupid guys. God said my people to store it for lack of knowledge. So we got to fix this. And so I realized something: we're on an alien planet. This world is not my home. I'm passing through. Satan is the legal god of this planet. John 10, 10 He kills, steals, and destroys. That's why hospitals are full, nurseries are full, prisons are full. Why? Where's God at? He's in heaven. Why is he letting this happen? He didn't let anything happen. He's not in charge. Humans are in charge. God will get involved with the human asking. Jesus said eight times, you test you have not because you ask not. Ask so you shall be made full. Prayer's not a religious thing. Prayer's a, it's a legal thing. You need to pray all the time. That's why the apostle Paul, when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, he said, man, I pray constantly. I pray in tongues more than all of you. When I don't know what to pray, I pray in the Holy Ghost. Because when I pray in the Holy Ghost, I'm praying the absolute perfect will of God. And the devil has no idea what I'm saying. And then you just get the flapping wings and devils are running for hell. So I tell people, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? No. I, can I lay hands on you and agree with you? Because you can get baptized the Holy Ghost. Because Jesus told his own mother, Mom, I'm going to go home, but I need you to go to that upper room and you, I, you need to wait there. Because as soon as I get, get home, I'm sending the Holy Ghost back and he'll do the same thing I've done. He said, he can be everywhere all the time. I'm now limited to a human body. And so Mary went to that upper room, she waited. And the fire fell and everybody shone that Hickey who stole them a hand and they thought they were drunk said, no, we're not drunk. And they quoted the scripture of Isaiah. We've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not for showing off in a church service. It's for making you successful in your own private life. It's for praying for your kids when they're not doing right. It's for praying for your wife when she's mad at you. Praying for your husband when she's getting lazy. What are you going to do? Man, I'm getting ready to rip some, I'm gonna rip some carpet up back here. We're going to shine that Hikimo What are you doing? I'm praying the perfect will of God. Father, you said when I don't know how to pray, that you'll help me pray. Then I can pray according to your perfect will when I pray in the Spirit. So right now, I'm going to pray for my daughter. I'm going to pray for my son. I'm going to pray for my business. I'm going to pray for my wife. Pray for my country. And I'm going to let her rip. And whatever I'm praying is the absolute perfect will of God. I don't waste any time praying when I'm praying in the Spirit. And I tell people, you really need it, man. It's not to make you act weird. I thought, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Well, you do. Well, you're gonna get, you going get weird when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to shun down and jerk a lot and, you know, dance in a circle. No, it's not for that. Now I messed up everybody in my Pentecostal church because I got spirit-filled listening to Loretta Lynn. <laughs> Somebody needs this. So I realized I'm going to a Bible study. My boss is invited him. He's a spirit-filled Methodist and he's, in, he's the head uh, chemist of Olin Matheson. So there's 10 of us in the lab. We go to his home every Friday night for Bible study and he's spirit-filled. He's a spiritual method. He kept asking, anybody want to get filled with the Holy Ghost? No, I don't want to know the ghost is nothing. No, I don't want that. So, I wrote my Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I read it in, in six weeks. I'm trying to figure out where all the devils died off. Jesus killed the devils. I saw it in the Eastern movie. He killed all the devils. Now, I remember I got to Revelation about 2 o'clock in the morning. I realized the devils were still here. And I just couldn't go to sleep. I kept man, the devils are still here. And so, I got on my knees when I punched out the next night at work. I'm uh, working at midnight. I punched out to God... You know, every day this Holy Ghost thing's real, and the tongue thing goes with it, whatever, Shonda, I'll take that too in Jesus' name. Amen. And I punched out. I go get my truck, I'm driving home, got an old 72 Chevy pickup truck, I'm listening to country music. I never listen to rock and roll, I don't believe in it. I just listen to country music, bluegrass. So I've got Loretta Lynn singing, so I'm singing along. I look over my shoulder, and when I get back on the highway, I realize I'm babbling like a two-year-old. I don't know what I'm saying. And I'm down, I, I think, oh, I think I got that tongue thing. It's that tongue thing. So I kept singing in tongues with Loretta Lynn. Then I sung along with Conway Twitty and Johnny Cash. And so whoever came on, I sung in tongues. When I get to the house, I think, I got to stop. I can't stop. I don't know how it started. I don't know if I can start again. So I pulled up the house, and it's late. My wife's coming out. She's waving her hand. She can't see me. The, the light on the porch is reflecting the wind of the truck. And she doesn't see what I'm doing. I'm thinking, God, I hope you can hear me think when I'm praying. I'm going to stop. Lord, when I stop on account three, please let me start again. My wife reached for the door of the truck. I came out like I've been in a camp meeting. I shined a hickam all over the front yard. And I didn't shut up for a long time. And so she had the Baptist deacons come to my house. She had my Pentecostal pastor come out. They thought I'd. Get, they thought I was demon possessed. Because in my spiritual church, you got you had to wait on the Spirit. We had one saint. She she'd been waiting on the Holy Ghost for forty years. Down front every Sunday night, people laying hands. Let go. Hang on. Let loose. Grab hold. Shine die. And, and she's trying so hard. I said, "How did you get it, Loretta Lynn?" <laughs> I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's tell Loretta Lynn. I love it. And so my pastor said, Joe, you sure it's real? Yeah. I mean, he so messed with me. I got water baptized three times that summer. I did. I said, I'm an adult. I said, hey, dump me on again. I don't know if it took. I need to marinate some more. Now, that's the introduction. Here's the sermon. God is so good. Uh, it's real short. We're out of books, but you can order offline. But online, um, I wrote this, uh, this seminar. I used to do all the time. I said you teach on man. I said yeah, and, uh, and so uh, uh, I was up at the church in Pennsylvania, and uh, pastor asked, him, "Joe, will you come up and teach on blended families?" I said no. I said why? I don't believe in it. He said, "You know, there's more blended families in America than there are core families." I know. Why you teaching it? I don't believe in it. I said, <laughs> um, "There's not a blended Bible." or a singles Bible, or a divorce Bible. They're just one book. Volume two's not coming out. We're hanging with volume one. It's for everybody. The gospel's for everybody. I don't care what you've been through, what you're in. I don't if you've been divorced 12 times. This book is for you. I don't care what you've been through. This book is for you. This is life. And so, what I did I went to this, and I said, I'll do this real quick. So, I had this seminar. I said, so what do you do? Well, I'm at this marriage seminar in Kentucky. This guy comes up, and he's a businessman. I know he's very successful. Hey, Joe, can you kind of boil that down to three things? It's Saturday. I've, I've, I spoke for six hour and a half six, And he comes, hey, that's really good. Can you boil that down to three things? And I said, sure, I can. So I, said, so, I said, here, you got a pencil? Here's the three things you need to do. And so, I said, all men are lovers, leaders, and providers. And I gave him the scripture. And he left. He was happy. And, and the pastor said, what did you do? I gave him the whole seminar just in about two minutes. Three by five card. Well, was it good? It's what he wanted. You meet people where they are. You meet people where they are. If they're not thirsty, don't give them water. They're not going to drink it. You got to even where they're thirsty. So, all men are lovers. Here it is. Shortest sermon you've ever heard. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. I'm to love my wife like Christ loved me. Jesus loved me when I wasn't lovable. I was going to hell on purpose. God loved me first. My job's to love my wife whether she's ever lovable or not. My job is to love her until Jesus comes to get me. I tell people, Hallmark's got the cards all wrong. Because you know you buy a card. Hey, congratulations, you got married. No, it's just say, hey, I'm so sorry. I heard you got married. Because <laughs> if you don't die at that marriage seminar, you're a half-dead zombie. You die when you get married. It's a covenant. You can't have a covenant unless you die. So you're standing for God and witnesses on the day you get married. What do you do? I'm prophesying this day forward. I'm living for this lady right here. I have no more life. Because couples come all the time, born again people, spirit. We just can't agree on nothing. What? We can't agree on nothing. You're perfect for each other. Opposites attract. And men will say, well, when do I get to choose? She, gets, she picks we're going on vacation every year. She needs to. When do I get to pick? You don't. You died. You died and you got married. Shut up. You're dead. <laughs> you don't pick vacation. You don't pick the restaurant. You don't pick the car. You don't pick the couch. You don't pick nothing, big boy. You died. Welcome to the heavenly life. And what happens if you start loving somebody like that? Eventually they're gonna start loving you back. Man, they're good to me, dear Lord, they're good to me. Oh, that's good. Somebody will get that. All men are lovers. My job is to love my wife like Jesus loved me. Number two, all men are, 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 are leaders. First Corinthians eleven three Is God is the head of Christ, Christ the head of man, men's over the woman, woman's over the children, children's over the dog, dog's over the cat, cat's over the mouse, mouse over the cheese, cheese over the cracker. It's a pecking order in the kingdom of God. Now the word, it's not dictator, it's source. God is the source of Christ. Jesus said, if you see me, you seen my father. If you've heard me, you've heard my father. I'm the father of one. I'm just like my father. Jesus turned to mankind and he says, man, without me you can't do a thing, but with me all things are possible. A man's turned to his wife and said, sugar, what do you want? I'm either going to write a check for it, or I'm going to start believing God for it. But I've had more couples in my office, Christians fighting. Well, that's just stupid. I don't want somebody who wants that. Well, she wants it's your job to get it for her. I tell the story a lot and I got a I'm out of time, but my wife wanted my, my wife never asked for nothing, my first wife. And she asked why she wants some sheep. And she's never asked for a thing. She wants some sheep. I said, sheep? Bad sheep. We, I don't know come the name thinking sheep, we got cows. Sheep. She wants me. And so I found out yeah, I got a, she wants five sheep. And she don't want to eat them. She just wants to share them and pet them, give them names. <laughs> you gotta have an acre of land for every sheep that you've got. I gotta buy five acres to feed a sheep I can't ever eat. And so I'm moving. I, I, I said, well, praise God. You want some sheep? Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Praise God. And so I finally get the acreage, and I finally get a fence around it. And so I went to visit a sheep farm out West Oklahoma, me and Oklahoma, and the lady out there has got all these sheep. We spent half a day out there, all those sheep. And we're driving back to Tulsa. And also my wife said, you know, John, I got to thinking, I don't think I want any sheep. And all I can say was, praise God. You sure, baby? You sure? Because we're moving really good on this thing. All right, then, no sheep. Thank God I never had to get any leaders mean you've got to get out front and men don't like being out front because we don't like looking stupid that's why men never ask for directions women ask for directions why don't you pull them for directions? you're gonna know i'll find it i'll take a half a day i'll find it i don't need to ask for directions. that's why we look stupid guys bless your heart but well, my job's to lead if I look stupid. So I've had to make a lot of decisions like, hey, everybody back up. Dad made a dumb decision. Back up, back up. Another, another making And I don't, have, I don't worry about making bad decisions anymore. I, I just don't. i make decisions. If it's a bad one, I'll not make that one again. Then number three, I'm a provider. First Timothy 5.8. Any man that does not financially provide for his family is worse than an infidel. He's the one who denied the faith. Now, all the boys that married my daughters, married in the family, I, I grilled them. Uh, first five dates with us as a family. Uh, next dates with another couple I pre of. You know, single dates. And uh, so uh, I thing set up. I said, but before they got married, all my daughters got married. Before they got married, I said, now here's what you need to do. You bring me, uh, after six months of pre counseling, you bring me your five-year plan written out. Where are you going to be in five years? Where are you going to be living? How much money are you going to be making? You got it out. You got a vision for your life. I want to see it. Number two, I want your last 12 bank statements. You put them on my desk put your last, tw- and I did this. I'm not making fun. But all, I said, because I want to see where you're spending your money. Because your job's to take care of my daughter. I've taken real good care of my daughters. Fixed their crooked teeth, got perms for the hair, got them dressed for the prom, got them in my car, sent them to private college. Ho, ho, ho. You're about to take my place. And so, I want to make sure that you have money. And so, if, if I look at your 12 bank stamps, you never spent any money on my daughter. You don't love my daughter. You're a liar. Because love's the most expensive four-letter word in the universe. You tell somebody I love you, you better get out your checkbook, your Belfort, your 401k, your hunting dog, your basketball, your riding real. Hey, I love you. Because if love's not cost you something, it's not love. And so, so this one guy, I like this kid, came in and, said, and I looked at him and I said, hey son, you're not a tither. Yeah, sir, I've been a tither for three years. No, you're a seven percenter. Really? Yeah, that's not a tithe. Well, I'll change that. Good. You need to change that. And the wedding was going to be in a month. I said, well, now, son, you're not going to marry my daughter next month. I want you to be a tither for a year. I don't want you to react to me. I want you to do it because you know what's right. And so, we're going to postpone the wedding for a year. Now, I don't have time to tell you all the hell that happened because of that. Oh, man. Oh, man. It was rough. But I, I stuck my grandson. They got married a year later and a great wedding. They're doing really good. They dropped three babies out of that marriage. They're still dropping grandbabies. This, this is a good deal. But somebody has to set the standard. So, all men love. They lead and they provide. I got mad at my wife one time. I've been 12 years from my marriage and I'm, I'm working two jobs and I'm bouncing checks like ping pong balls on the concrete floor. And I realized, it's just never going to be enough. And I just lost my temper. My wife's washing dishes. I'm in the kitchen. And I start screaming. I said, it's never enough, is it? It's never stinking enough, is it? She said, no, Joe, you need to make more money. <laughs> I thought that was my point. What did I miss? But I realized that my job as a man is to love whether you ever love me back or not and to lead and to provide. That's my job as God's design. And what God designed, he will empower. And if you if you'll believe that great things will happen in your life and quit pointing fingers at your spouse. It's not their fault. Everything's my fault. What is it? Whatever it is, I am the head of my family. I'm responsible. And the day I took that stance, life changed because God started showing up. But as long as you can blame somebody else, God's not going to show up. Hell will show up. So, let's start acting like, we start acting like Christians, talking like Christians, what we going to do. So, I tell people, when you leave today, don't you quote a thing you've heard me say, you'll be in a fight before you get in the car. Because, no, I'm serious, because what the men heard is not what the women heard. You heard something totally opposite. God, God's got a great sense of humor. Everybody heard something different. So, if you're a spouse, hey, what do you think about that? And don't say nothing. You won't make it home. Smile a lot. Praise God. That's great, man. So let's stand up. I'll lead you in a confession. Say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It sets me free. It keeps me free. According to your word, I ask you, teach my family to fear you. Surround my family with divine favor bring to my family godly friends i consider it done in jesus name amen bow your heads father we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free father i speak great grace over this great body your father may they grow and increase in every area father give them give them divine favor in everybody they meet, lord this year let this be a jubilee year for our families whatever the devil stole make him pay back seven times we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. Everything we set our hand to do prosper. We are the redeemed of the Lord and we say so. In Jesus' name and everybody said, We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.